0: This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hello, I'm Charlotte Kent, editor in chief of CDC's Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report. Thanks for joining me for MMWR's weekly COVID-19 briefing for the week of July 25, 2022. In addition to discussing the latest COVID-19 information, we'll also be covering updates on other important health topics. In this episode, I'll discuss findings from six different MMWR reports. The first looks at gun carrying among youth. The second examines the safety of a second booster dose among adults aged 50 years and older. The third describes the upcoming 2022-2023 flu vaccine. The fourth looks at drug overdose deaths by sex, age, and race ethnicity. The fifth examines a cluster of parecovirus infections among infants in Tennessee. The last report highlights chronic conditions and health-related risk behaviors among young adults. The first report looks at gun-carrying among youth. Suicide and homicide are the second and third leading causes of death among youths aged 14 to 17 years. Nearly one-half of youth suicides and most youth homicides result from firearm injuries. Investigators used survey data to describe the national prevalence of gun carrying among high school students. They examined the associations between gun carrying and experiencing violence, suicidal ideation, or attempts, or substance use. Among students younger than 18 years of age, one in 15 males and 1 in 50 females reported carrying a gun in the past 12 months for reasons other than recreational purposes. Gun carrying was more likely among students who experienced violence, suicidal thoughts, or attempts, or substance use. These results underscore the importance of understanding and addressing the root causes of youth violence and suicide. To help states and communities use the best available evidence to prevent violence, CDC released resources that describe the evidence for programs, policies, and practices to reduce multiple forms of violence. The second report examines the safety of a second booster dose of the COVID-19 vaccine among adults aged 50 years and older. On March 29, 2022, the Food and Drug Administration authorized a second mRNA booster dose at least four months after receipt of a first booster dose for people aged 12 years and older with moderate to severe weakened immune systems and adults aged 50 years and older. CDC reviewed the safety of a second booster dose, which would be the fourth dose for most people. During March 29, through July 10, 2022, approximately 17 million U.S. adults aged 50 years and older received a fourth dose. Vaccine safety experts identified no new safety concerns following the second booster dose. These findings are consistent with the existing body of evidence that mRNA COVID-19 vaccines are safe. People aged 50 years and older should receive a second booster dose at least four months after they get their first booster. The third report describes the upcoming 2022-2023 flu vaccine. Before the COVID-19 pandemic, influenza activity in the United States typically began to increase in the fall and peaked in February. During the 2021-2022 season, influenza activity began to increase in November and remained elevated until mid-June, featuring two distinct waves, with influenza A, H3N2 viruses predominating for the entire season. The majority of these viruses that circulated were different from the virus in the influenza vaccines. However, among those who were vaccinated last season, their risk of flu illness requiring a medical visit was reduced by about one-third. This is more evidence that the flu vaccine offers protection, even when vaccine viruses are different from circulating viruses. Receiving a seasonal influenza vaccine each year is the best way to protect against flu and its potentially severe consequences. The fourth report from Vital Signs looks at drug overdose deaths by sex, age, and race ethnicity. The nearly 92,000 drug overdose deaths that occurred in the United States in 2020 represents a 30% increase from 2019. Recent increases in drug overdose deaths were largely driven by illicitly manufactured fentanyl and fentanyl analogs. However, the impact of treatment access and income inequality on deaths from drug overdose has not been fully explored, particularly during the COVID-19 pandemic. Researchers describe changes in drug overdose death rates from 2019 to 2020 by sex, age, and race ethnicity. In addition, they examine differences in circumstances surrounding drug overdose deaths and assess differences in death rates by income inequality and treatment. From 2019 to 2020, overdose death rates increased by 44% among non-Hispanic Black people and 39% among non-Hispanic American Indian, Alaskan Native people. Also, as county-level income inequality increased, overdose rates increased, particularly among Black people. Evidence of previous substance use treatment was lowest for Black people, Harm reduction services can reduce overdoses and save lives. Harm reduction services can include naloxone, fentanyl test strips, and referral to substance use disorder treatment. Syringe service programs can serve as a valuable way to reach people who inject drugs and provide them with overdose prevention education and opportunities to link to substance use disorder treatment. Using an evidence-based, culturally responsive, multisectorial approach is critical to reducing disparities in overdose rates the fifth report examines a cluster of parechovirus infections in infants in tennessee parechovirus is an infection that causes a range of illnesses from mild symptoms like gastroenteritis to severe manifestations like meningoencephalitis and seizures Infants younger than three months of age are at increased risk for severe infections. Researchers investigated a cluster of 23 infants with parecovirus infections who were admitted to a single children's hospital in Tennessee within a six-week period. Most infants presented with fever, fussiness, and poor feeding without significant inflammation in the cerebrospinal fluid. All but one of the infants were admitted to the hospital four infants developed severe disease that required treatment in the neonatal intensive care unit. The reasons for this cluster of parecovirus infection remains unclear. These findings emphasize the need for clinicians to consider parecovirus in young infants with fever, fussiness, poor feeding, and seizures. The last report highlights chronic conditions and health-related risk behaviors among young adults. Chronic conditions are common, costly, and major causes of death and disability. Addressing chronic conditions and their determinants in young adulthood can help slow disease progression and improve well-being across the life course. However, recent estimates examining chronic conditions in young adults overall have not been reported. CDC analyzed data from the Behavioral Risk Factor Surveillance System to measure 11 chronic conditions and health-related risk behaviors among adults aged 18 to 34 years. More than half of these young adults reported having at least one chronic condition, such as obesity, depression, and high blood pressure. Additionally, young adults with a chronic condition were more likely than those without one to report binge drinking, smoking, or physical inactivity. Coordinated efforts by public and private sectors may help raise awareness of chronic conditions among young adults. This coordination could also help improve the availability of evidence-based interventions, policies, and programs that are effective in preventing, treating, and managing chronic conditions. Thank you for joining us for this week's briefing. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. To stay up to date on the latest MMWR reports, go to cdc.gov mmwr and subscribe for free to have MMWR delivered to your inbox. Stay safe and stay well. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.